Isaiah 61 from the ESV version. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, to give them the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. They shall build up ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former de devastations. They will repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be called priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are an offspring that the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed, clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for the, as the earth springs forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, John. Hey, uh, could you stay here for just a second? <laughs> I didn't tell him I was going to do this. This is going to be super awkward for him. Uh, did you know that I timed you as you were reading this chapter? I did not notice. So I did this uh, because uh, Dr. Schomer here uh, just very eloquently read one whole chapter of Scripture, uh, a, a very important one, in fact, one that we're going to deal with today. But you know what? Uh, knowing that uh, this is January 31st, uh, uh, this is New Year's Eve, a new year is coming, there are resolutions that are about to be made, and most people resolve in some way to make the Bible a greater part of their life. Uh, some people say they're going to read through the whole Bible this year. Some people People say they're going to uh, spend more time in prayer, spend more time in, in scripture, um, and, and very few of us do it. I think, I think we, we over-promise ourselves and we usually under-deliver. And so just to, to put things in perspective a little bit, uh, John, how long do you think it took you to read this chapter? Two minutes and six seconds. 
Well, you're close. It actually was two minutes and 50 seconds. Two minutes and 50 seconds, 0.77. Now, uh, I guessed ahead of time at how long it would take you, okay? I guessed it would take you about three minutes to read this one chapter. To prove it, two minutes, 50 seconds. That's not too bad of a guess, I'd say, right there. I feel like, I feel like a magician right now. Fisher, take notes, all right? Uh, I guessed it would take you about three minutes to read that one chapter. Now, if you read through the entire scripture at that pace, it would uh, take you for the 1,189 chapters in the Bible, it would take you about 59 hours, uh, about 59 and a half hours to read the Bible. That's out loud. Would you say you read pretty, pretty uh, faster when you're just reading on your own? Much faster. Much faster. That's right. So it would take John much quicker than 59 hours to read the Bible out loud. Now, if you just limited yourself to this three minutes a day, you decided, I'm going to read one chapter of scripture a day. I'm going to spend only three minutes. Think of, think of what you do in three minutes. I mean, this is, this is si as simple and crude as I'm going to put the Bible next to the, the stand in the bathroom. And, and for some of you, you could read several chapters. Uh, but, but three minutes a day, uh, one chapter a day, that would mean you read through the entire book of Matthew. But by the way, this is our, our sermon season. We've been going through the Gospel of Matthew since about September. And right now we're in chapter four. So that kind of tells you about the the pace that we're going uh, pretty slow. But you could have the whole book of Matthew read by January 28th if you did just one chapter a day at three minutes. Uh, if you did three minutes a day, you would have all of the Gospels read by the time we celebrate Easter. Uh, you would have heard the story of He is risen four times by the time we celebrate Easter. In fact, you would have the entire New Testament read before summertime is done at just three minutes, which seems so crazy to me that we put together these great, grandiose reading plans, and so many of us are done by the time January is done. And so I'm not going to ask you to do this great reading plan. I'm not going to ask you to, uh, to check off each day all of the several chapters you read. I'm going to give you the tiniest, tiniest encouragement, which is to spend three minutes of your day, three minutes reading the Bible. That's all I'm asking. Spend three minutes reading the Bible. And I bet you, I'm not a betting man, Dr. Schomer, but I bet you that if you spent three minutes a day reading scripture, you would have the entire Bible read this year. The math doesn't equal out. If you spent three minutes a day, you actually wouldn't read the whole Bible this year. But I bet you, you will. And that's because there are chapters that you won't be able to put down. If you've ever watched that show or the time the credits roll, the, the cliffhanger's there, and you're just like, oh, i got to see what happens next. That's what will happen to you. In fact, what will happen to you is your heart will be changed over time. I'm going to let you go ahead and sit down now because I'm starting to get into it. <laughs> Your heart will be changed. You'll want to see what happens. You'll, you'll start to see things change in your life as God's living and active word starts to uh, 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 mold you and build you and change you. And you're going to want more. You're going to desire more. In fact, you're going to have the whole New Testament done. Summertime's just going to be knocking around the corner and you're going to find yourself with all this extra free time. And you're going to think, hey, if I can do the New Testament this fast, I bet I can do the Old Testament. I bet I can get this done. And you're going to have that huge thing already checked off your list that that. The, the Old Testament genealogies come, the, the Exodus uh, and Leviticus and the, the boring stuff hits, but you're going to have all that stuff already done, so you're going you're gonna to power through that. All the stuff that has caused you to quit Bible reading plan after Bible reading plan after Bible reading plan, that's going to be nothing, because you will already have so much done, 
that you're going to do it. And so my challenge for you, uh, my challenge for your resolutions, I don't know what they are, I don't know if it's to, to eat better, if it's to work out harder, if, if you're resolving not to do any resolutions this year, whatever yours is, my challenge for you is three minutes a day. Three minutes a day reading the Bible. The hardest thing that, that it will be for you is to actually pick it up and do it. To actually just start. But once you start, you'll find it harder and harder to stop each day you do it. Three minutes a day will turn into five minutes a day, which will turn into 15 minutes a day. And the, and the next thing you know, you'll have the Bible read by the time summer comes. And you'll say, look at me. Um, I read the whole Bible before summer. I guarantee you that that's what will happen if you start with three minutes a day and you just keep doing that. That's one chapter. One chapter of Scripture a day. And I guarantee you, you will be so surprised at the rate at which you read through the Bible. And I say all of that because a knowledge of Scripture, that's what I'm double down on this year. A knowledge of scripture, a full knowledge, a deep knowledge is life changing. Not just your life, but the life uh, of people around you and people you meet. We believe, as Christians by the way, if, if this is you, we believe that this is, is a living and active word. We talk about it all of the time. The Gospel of John says that Jesus is the word made flesh. We talk about how scripture is God's word. And, and so in, in a weird way, it's like saying, man, Jesus is here. He is with us. This is, this is, this is him. And, and he has the power to speak into my life and to change it in ways that I would not imagine. And I believe that if you consume this, if you read this, first of all, you will become a, a, a part of, of a minuscule percentage of the population of Christians who actually have read through the scriptures. But the more you know, the more that it will just pull things out of you. I remember a night when I was in college and I was uh, having a conversation with a friend. It was a late night conversation. He was struggling. He had just uh, broken up with his high school sweetheart and they were going to get married and have lots of babies. And so you, if you've been there, you know the feeling. Uh, when you look back, you're like, oh, that's kind of silly. But if you've been there in that high school breakup, you know it's just devastating and, and your world has ended at that moment, okay? And so I'm having a conversation with him and, and, and this this devastating breakup had turned into all of these deep uh, life questions that have been asked and, and all of a sudden I find myself quoting scripture after scripture. I, I'm quoting from Philippians and I'm quoting from Isaiah and I'm quoting from all these places that I didn't even know that I had within me but, but at some point I must have read it or God's spirit put it inside of me to share at this moment and this is what God will do for you. We believe that this word sinks down deep and works inside of you and, and God brings it forth at the right time in the right ways to interact with the right people. And so, uh, three minutes a day can change someone's life. I already know it'll change yours, so I'm not too concerned about that. But three minutes a day could change someone else's life if you spend three minutes a day reading scripture. <laughs> and, and every time I say it, it just sounds so silly. It sounds so light. Like, how, how could you only ask someone to read three minutes? This is the Bible. Everything you just said about it, how could you only ask for three minutes? But I believe that what God can do with three minutes is so much better and so much more important than what I can do with three minutes of whatever I'm going to do today. Three minutes a day reading Scripture. 
And that brings us uh, to where we are in Matthew 4 right now. So we're in Matthew 4. Um, if, if you've got your scriptures open, we've just uh, finished talking about the temptations of Jesus and what comes after that. And I think the timing of it is just so perfect uh, for this theme of resolve. And when I think of resolve and I think of that word, there's two usages that come out of that. Uh, the first uh, is, is to settle or to find a solution to. We're going to resolve this problem. We're going to resolve this dispute. We're going to make it right. We're going to deal with it. We're going to straighten it out. That's how it's used. And then the other is more of like this determined, determination thing. Oh, I'm going to decide firmly on a course of action. And that's, that's kind of the New Year's resolution. And what's so interesting about this word is, is though there's two uses, usually they're mixed. Usually when we use this word, the two usages are mixed together. So when you think of your New Year's resolution, you are uh, deciding on a course of action that is going to put something right in your life. It's going to make something better. You're resolving for a purpose. And so they go together so well. And what happens in this part of the text is Jesus is moving into a resolution stage. Uh, we call it his ministry, but he is deciding on a course of action and he's going to put things right. And so the text here is Matthew 4. And it starts at verse 12 and it goes through 17. And it says this, it says, When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, John the Baptist, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. And I think that uh, those two words are something that I would have skipped over time and time again, but my full knowledge of Scripture and of reading it over and over tells me what happened in Nazareth. And that comes from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 4, right after Jesus is done being tempted. It talks about what happens in Nazareth. And that's that Jesus goes to a synagogue service and he stands up and he reads the text that uh, Dr. John Schomer just read aloud to us earlier. Jesus opens up an Isaiah scroll and he reads this text out to people. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to proclaim good news, to proclaim freedom, to proclaim liberty, to heal. And he says all of these things over and then, he, and then he rolls it up and he tells people that this has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is what happens in Nazareth. And so leaving Nazareth, it's so funny that Matthew would decide to leave that out, but, but what incredible detail. And this is the text that, I, that, that inspired me to, to plant a church, that inspired me to start Remedy as I realized what Jesus was truly about when he began his ministry and thinking about what should the church be about as we begin our ministry, as we do ministry together, what should we resolve to do? What should we be about? And thinking, man, the, the resolution of Jesus would probably be a pretty good place to start. And that Jesus resolves, first of all, to go. And where does he go? Uh, well, uh, this other text from Isaiah is pretty fascinating to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. And then this phrase here, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Uh, in other words, those living in the land that, that the Assyrian Empire came and overthrew and demolished and destroyed and now are seen as, as, as Gentiles, as Samaritans at best, as, as wicked, evil people who have, who have left God and who are being totally judged. Darkness, the shadow of death, that's what, that's what they're, they're called. And yet, that's where Jesus begins. 
He goes straight into the heart of darkness. He goes straight into the land of nobodies. He goes straight into uh, cities uh, that are untouchables. That's where he goes. And he brings a great light to those people. That was his resolve. That was his determination. That was what he decided to do. To share a great light with those people. And from that time on, Jesus began to preach. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And and he opens up the Isaiah scrolls. And he starts to talk about uh, what this repentance means. To turn from that life of darkness. To turn from that life of evil. And to turn towards the light. To turn towards liberty. To turn towards what he wants to do. And then when you look at his ministry, don't you see that all over? Don't you see blind people start seeing? This has never happened before. Deaf people start hearing. Demons are cast out. Epileptics stop having seizures. And this is what Jesus goes and does. He resolves to go straight into darkness. And he brings a resolution. He puts it right. He makes it good again. I'm so inspired by the resolution of Jesus. And he preaches this text. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. This is what Jesus resolves to do, by the way. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Sometimes we feel like, uh, uh, for those of us who have experienced a broken heart, whether it's because a loved one uh, has died or is sick or, or, or the things that we prayed about earlier, when we're brokenhearted because the people close to us are hurting, when we're brokenhearted because we've lost something dear to us, when we're brokenhearted because we feel lonely or we feel lost or we feel alone, do you realize that God has, has seen himself sent to you? We feel like we just need to get over it and, and, and stop our pity party because there's so much more important stuff to be thinking about or dealing with, but, but, but God goes straight into your pity party. He goes straight to you, brokenhearted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to people who feel stuck, to people who are stuck in addiction, stuck in sin, stuck in negative habits. God goes straight to you. The opening of the prison to those who are bound. And if you've ever felt bound by sin, if you've ever felt captive to an addiction or to negative habits... You know how it feels like a prison. And you know how year after year your resolutions have failed. And God resolves to break into that and destroy it once and for all. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Don't you just long to hear that sometimes? Especially at this time of year where you've just been like, go, go, going. There's been family. There's been gifts. You've been trying to impress people. You've been trying to make sure everyone's happy. Everyone's taken care of. Everything's going right. And you just feel exhausted sometimes. And you're working so hard. And you try to serve. And you try to do the right things. And you try to make everything good. That's tiring. And wouldn't it feel great just to hear God look at you and say, I love you? Wouldn't it feel great to, to have God look at you and just, just uh, unanimously say, I approve of you? You are valuable to me. I want you. I favor you. I reach out my hand and I just take you and I, and I accept you because I love you for who you are. 
For those of us who just never feel good enough, for those of us who are trying and trying and trying, for those of us who have self-esteem issues, God just takes you. He just takes you and grabs you and says, I favor you. Wow. That's incredible. And that's what he preaches. This is what he resolves, by the way. He resolves to do this to you. He resolves to do this for thousands of years. And guess what? He's going to continue to resolve to do this for thousands of years. And the question is, do you want to be a part of it? Do you want to be a part of this resolve? So Jesus' resolve was to firmly decide on a course of action. To firmly decide to break into our world. We just celebrated that at Christmas time. He broke in. And he didn't just stop by coming and being with us. uh, uh, Being our Emmanuel God with us. That wasn't good enough. He wanted to put it right. He wanted to make it good. And so he doesn't just preach it. He doesn't just tell you what to do. He does it. He goes all throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. That's Matthew 4.23. And then it continues on. Not only does he proclaim it, but he does the very thing he proclaims. Healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And so his fame thread spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. These two parts are so important when we look at the resolve of Jesus because so often we see that Jesus comes and Jesus proclaims it and now we've got to figure it out. Now we've got to do it. Now we've got to make sure it's done and it's done well enough. But Jesus does the thing he proclaims. So he comes and he says he wants you to repent. He wants you to turn from evil and he wants you to be a part of his new kingdom. And then he does it. He goes to the cross He sacrifices himself for your sins. Invites you into repentance because your sins are already forgiven. Turn from the evil that I've already taken away. It's already been done for you, he says. And then he invites you into this newness where you are already healed. And then he says, go and be healed. Okay, that's pretty easy. Your resolution is already done because of Jesus' resolve for you. And so the question then becomes, what is my purpose? What is my meaning? And what resolve do I have? And first of all, that should be focus on Jesus' resolve. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget what his resolve is. To break into this world and then to put it right. Starting with you. And then those around you. And so I don't think we can look at Jesus' resolve without thinking of ours. And, and, and because here we're remedy, I just decided, what's our resolve? What's our resolve together? What are we setting out to do? And what are we going to put right? Decide firmly on a course of action. I, I don't think personally that this is just... Uh, Uh, limited to remedy alone. I think uh, anybody here who is a follower of Jesus, regardless of where you make that your home, that this should be a part of your resolve because this is Jesus' resolve for us. This is our uh, kind of unique language and how we talk about it. But this is what I'm committed to doing and this is what I want to do. And this is why we started this church to begin with, to connect disconnected people to him. And if we're not about that, I don't think we should be doing it. 
If we are not connecting disconnected people, if people are not walking through these doors who don't know Jesus or have not known him well or don't know him rightly, then what are we doing? And here's how we're going to decide to make up that course of action. Through giving people an opportunity to experience him. And so that's what this is. That's what you're doing right now. You are having a Jesus experience. That sounds so new agey, but it's true. You are. You're hearing him. You're hearing scripture read where he can experience, uh, where you can experience him and he can give you that experience of his gospel right here. A Jesus experience. We will unashamedly share an experience of the grace and the truth of Jesus. We will connect with each other outside of Sunday morning. If you are, if you are limiting your Christian walk to one hour a week, then I think you're missing out. I think you're missing something, something valuable, something meaningful. And so here at Remedy, we say connect. Experience Jesus and then connect. Connect with others outside, whether that's a men's group, a women's group, an open group. If, you've, if you're not a part of a group, uh, start a group. Uh, a group doesn't have to be this huge thing. It, it can be as simple as, as hey, do you want to uh, go do coffee with me? And, and we'll talk about scripture. Two people is a group. It's true. It's plural. <laughs> Some of our groups are two people. It really is. I count it. God does too. He says, wherever two or more are gathered, I'm there with them. And this one, and I think this is, is it has been and, and will continue to be the hardest one for our community here um, to figure out. And that's we will impact our surrounding community with acts of love and mercy. And this is hard in the suburbs because the suburbs tries hard to hide their hurt. The suburbs tries hard to hide their brokenness, to hide the poverty, to hide the mental illness, to hide the stuff that is running rampant out there. And that means we have to be out there finding it and out there addressing it. And this is the challenge. We can't be out there if we're always in here. And that's why I say have, be a part of one group. Be a part of one uh, Christian community, but don't dedicate your whole week to church stuff. Don't overbook your week with sports after sports after extracurriculars after activities so that you can't be out in your community hearing and listening. Don't overbook your week with Netflix. <laughs> but be intentional about reaching out uh, uh, to the neighbor next door. Be intentional about if you are going to sports after sports, uh, then you better be meeting the people that you're doing sports with, the other parents, the other people. If you're doing extracurriculars, then you've got to know those people who are in those groups. And the more you know them, beyond just their name, the more you know stuff about them, the more opportunities will come up to have conversations that can lead them into a Jesus experience, that can lead them into a, a, a connection group, that can lead them into their lives in this community being impacted. But it can't happen. It can't happen if, if we as the church aren't doing it. We can invest thousands of dollars into marketing. And it will do nothing if our people aren't living it and our people aren't sharing it. And so this is, this, is the, this is the question then. How are we going to straighten it out, deal with it, and put it right? And as I was sitting here thinking about it, I was like, it has to come through people inviting. It has to come through, through you believing that this experience is valuable enough to inviting and bringing people here. It has to happen through people loving 
through people loving enough to open their homes to other people, loving enough to, to sacrifice their schedules to be with other people. It has to happen through people serving, through people growing, through people dedicating three minutes a day to reading scripture so that God can use that three minutes to change someone else's life. And I believe that that will result in people being saved. But do you see where it begins? It begins with people. God's people. That was Jesus' resolve from the very beginning, was people. He resolved to go to people because he wanted to save people and he wanted to use people to bring his kingdom. That was his resolve. And my prayer is is that as we begin a new year, 2018, first of all, we will rest in the resolve of Jesus that says, I love you, I accept you, I favor you, you're mine. Now let's go. And so with that, let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your favor this year. For many of us, it's been a tough year. It's been a year of tragedy. It's been a year of hardship. It's been a year of struggle. It's been a year of, of hurt. And for some of us, it's also been a year of joy. And, and it's been a year of mountaintop moments and, and a year of blessing and favor. And, and, and Lord, when we put those two together, it can be so difficult. But God, I pray for all of us that we would take a moment uh, today and this evening to rest in your resolve. To forget all of the stresses, to forget all of the, of the work, to forget all of the difficulties, and, and even forget all the joys. And just to rest in the fact that you accept me. You love me. You take me. And Lord, as I begin a new year, uh, I pray that you would uh, reorient my life around your resolve. That you would help me to see uh, minutes that can be given up and rededicated elsewhere. That, that you would help me to see relationships that need to be pursued. That you would help me to see uh, areas of my life uh, that I need to focus on and change and, and work on and improve. But all of that, Lord, I pray that you would bring under your resolve. I pray, Lord, for this church and that this would be a, a, a year of your resolve here. That people's lives would continue to be changed as they experience you here. I pray that people's lives would continue to be changed as they connect with each other throughout the week. I pray that people's lives would be changed as we impact this community and that Oakdale would not be able to forget that Remedy is a church here. And we need your help to do that, Lord. So please make your resolve known to us. Make your resolve clear to us. Make your resolve transform us. We love you and we pray this in your name. Amen.